Welcome to Comedy Wham Presents. I'm your host, Laura Smith. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for all Austin comedy. And now, your place for information on shows and open mics in the Austin area. Comedy Wham Presents is how we bring you glimpses into the lives of comedians in and around Austin. My guest today is a recent transplant from Portland, Oregon. I recently saw him at the Gastrointestinal Comedy Showcase, and his set caught my attention so much that I had to have him in and no more. And now, Comedy Wham presents Christian Van Wade. Hello. Hi. Um, Van Wade's my middle name, by the way. I used oh. to go by Christian Ricketts back in Portland. Okay. But uh, uh, leave it as Van Wade. It's fine. I've just been using it as my stage name. Okay, cool. So, yeah. I, was, I meant to ask you that before, but mm. and then that's how they introduced you on the on the show. Yeah. So I wanted to, I should have made sure. But that is how you're going now. Yeah. Cool. Kind of decided on a whim, but I don't know. You know, I, for a while I'd feel like I shouldn't use my last name Ricketts mm-hmm. when I'm going on stage because it's a bone disease and I'll, right. have, I'll have to call attention to it. And then I would feel like, well, if I don't call attention to it, you know, it's like, if I don't call attention to it, it's fine. Nobody's going to really care after that long. Right. But for a long time, it was just... You know, I'd considered using my middle name as mm-hmm. my last name, but I just wouldn't do it. That's a really strong middle name. Yeah. Yeah, as, as, a, as a weird story, my grandpa uh, said, you know, although apparently I'm told not to believe everything he said, <laughs> typical grandpa thing, but um, there was some friend of the family whose last name was Van Wade like 100 years ago, mm-hmm. you know. My family, when they lived in, had farms in Missouri or something, and there's some traveling musician whose last name is Van Wade. He was a friend of the family and would help, you know, build a barn or whatever, and he played guitar and just kind of roved around. And I don't know, at some point they started using his last name as middle names for their kids, and then that just passed on from each generation. So I have, like, my, it's my grandpa's middle name and my cousin's, and so that's why it kind of sounds weird, like I own land. Yeah, it does. But, yeah, you should just tell people you do. Yeah. Um. So before we get too far in, we like to do an icebreaker question. Uh, on these, one word to describe your past. Um. A go. A go. <laughs> All right. I just wrote down age. That's not right. Yeah, age. That's it. <laughs> that is a also a way to describe the past. Yeah. Um. So what's a, what's your first comedy memory? Um, like in life in general. Yeah. Uh, does it have to do with like being funny or like the, the or, or like the theater of stand-up comedy itself? Either or both. Um. Oh yeah. Uh, I think. Yeah, the first thing that comes to mind was um, I was in drama class, mm-hmm. and I tried to. You know, we we're supposed to stand on stage and introduce ourselves to the classes, like freshman year of high school, and um, I just started telling some story about a friend of my uncle's, and they started laughing. And then, uh, and I was like, "Hey, this is you know." In my head, I was like, "Hey, this is going pretty good." And then right after it, I um, I started trying to do an Ellen DeGeneres bit. <laughs> I just straight up. I hadn't dec- I hadn't planned on it beforehand, but I'd been watching it recently, mm-hmm. and uh, it, that did not do well. Really, I think everybody knew I was trying to do some material. Ah. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, I got. Like, You're doing a bit, aren't you? Yeah, it's like you know when you walk down the street. It's like I'm supposed <laughs> to be talking about my life, but I just went into like this thing about when you walk on the street and you almost trip and you turn back and look around. <laughs> it was like it was. I was a Did hack. Did you move yeah. on to airline food? No, I should have. <laughs> no, uh, it was probably would have killed back then. Um, well, I was a kid, so I liked airline food. I was, uh... <laughs> so. With all the Van Wade money you were traveling on, uh huh, yeah, um, two airplane trips. So did you? Did you grow up? Was your family like a real comedy centric family, or mm, uh, more of a military family? Really? Um, but we're funny, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We're all we're all very funny and sarcastic at my house, and we watched Monty Python regularly, yeah, as a family, and you know, Simpsons and Get a Life. You remember Get a Life with Chris Elliott? Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. You said that, and I was thinking game show for some reason. As soon as you said Chris Elliott, I was like, oh. Yeah. And like he's SNL. still so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's great. E- Eagle Heart, mm-hmm. I think, is the most recent thing I can think of he did. Oh, and Shit's Creek, isn't he? Oh, okay. Yeah. I haven't seen it. He's the uh, the mayor? I think. I'm, yes, he is. Um. And he's killing it on that show. That show's gone. I think they're finally going to wind it down, but it's gone so many seasons. So much so that they've opened an apothecary based on the fictional apothecary on the show. Yeah. So, um, and now we're totally in a different zone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sorry. Um, What's the first stand-up you remember seeing? can barely remember um uh, it, I, I guess it would probably be eddie murphy mm-hmm. raw and delirious my brother's bringing the cassette tapes home oh yeah somehow i feel like i saw something else right around then somehow um there was like this best of like you know like best of snl mm-hmm. vhs tapes they would come out with and it was like early years so 19 you know whatever 75 mm-hmm. i think when it started so it had kaufman on there Oh and God. so, so I saw the Kaufman thing early, and I didn't think of so early enough to think, oh, this is just a part of comedy. This isn't like um, a deviation from normal right. comedy. This isn't alternative. It's just comedy. Sometimes you you can do bits like this, you know. Right. You can wrestle a woman, and <laughs> yeah, he was bizarrely ahead of his time. Yeah, yeah. It was the yeah. I think it was the. What he did on SNL, he did like the for the foreign man bit or mm-hmm. whatever, and it was just like a really lame. Just it, it takes his time building this really lame joke, and yeah. I love that. So that that makes me think. But so, well, okay, we'll get into your style in a minute. How? When did you first start decide? When when did comedy bite you? Like like I'm gonna get into this. I'm gonna try this. Was it around? high school or was it no not till my early to mid 20s mm-hmm. and i was um i kind of felt too embarrassed to just admit it to anyone really yeah and i was living in uh you know north san diego county not a lot of comedy there there's like the la jolla comedy club but i didn't know about that i didn't mm-hmm. know about open mics i hadn't seen a live comedy show until i was 23 i think yeah it wasn't until i was 23 that i even saw a live comedy show and it was just some local showcase at a comedy club at a greek restaurant um uh you know in like suburban san diego yeah you know but and i remember like 
being afraid just to watch the show and feeling really anxious, but then thinking a lot of all the stuff that I would do and, you know, what I would have done on the show, what I would have done differently than the other comics. What you, made you anxious? You know, I, uh, I'm i not sure. Probably because, I don't know, I wanted to, I don't know, maybe I was afraid of, for the other comics or I was going to say, it almost sounded like you already had that, like, instinct of, of timing and... and... And everything, like the anxiousness that it takes to get on stage to begin with. Yeah, uh, it was it was kind of it's kind of a long process. I didn't I didn't finally get on stage till I was twenty five. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I'd taken a a comedy class at mm-hmm. a community college because I thought you know what I'm gonna go there and I'm this isn't cool you know this is definitely not the cool way to start stand up and that makes me feel safe. I'm just going to go there and I'm not going to judge the other people. I'm just going to be another one of them. It'll give me an opportunity to, you know, I guess I'm just like this about all things in life. I'm, I'm pretty cautious. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, all right, I'm just going to do it just by little baby steps. I'll go and I'll take this, you know, $90 non-credit community college class <laughs> taught by this guy named Eric Severson. He's a really nice, funny dude um, in Portland. And um, so I, that was the first time I did it. And I was funny in that class, mm-hmm. and it. I think, like looking back, maybe it would have. I was, I was like a little too prepared because I'd been thinking about comedy just, you know, for the past year or so. I think it was when Louis C.K.'s Shameless special came out, mm-hmm. and then Zach Galifianakis' Live at the Purple Onion, and um, Steve Martin's book Born Standing Up. The oh, combination yeah. of those three things really, you know. That encouraged me to go out and just start watching open mics. But open mics, I'd be afraid just going in the room. I was just, I don't know, just like the whole environment. It was like very charged. There was one night I was too nervous to even go in to watch a comedy yeah. show. It's weird, right? You know, like, because you could just hide in the back. I mean. I still sometimes feel that way about being at open mics. Well, yeah, Because you mics. can feel the nervous energy constantly. It's just. Yeah. 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 So when was your your first you did the class. Did you do an open mic before you started the class, or you did no. it during or after? It was at the end. Then we went to like the the only club Portland had at the time called it was called Harvey's. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a reputation for being like a bad club that pays well. So uh-huh. I don't know. Um, yeah, I never really got in there, but it was a good mic. I, I did really well my first time, um, and then after that, I you know bombed for you know a bit. Not, like, no. horribly. It was, like, a couple weeks that I would still have, like, a really good set and then bomb for mm-hmm. a couple times. And then – but when I started out, I was pretty much doing, like, kind of like like what you saw me do at the last showcase when you first – yeah, when you first saw me do stand-up mm-hmm. where I'm just reading off a clipboard. You right. Know? Um, that's kind of what I was doing my first set. And I'm, like – I'm, like, returning to basics, I guess, mm-hmm. at this point. So I've, the whole time I've been doing stand-up, I've, I've always wanted to have, like, a variety of optional sets I could do. Like, I could do one as this character or that one or this kind of gimmick thing or also do stand-up as myself, telling stories like in a traditional, what you'd call, like, straight stand-up. Right. I guess. I don't know. I don't know if there's a better term for that because the word straight has to do with sexual identity. But um, I am straight. So, yeah, I was doing straight stand-up no matter what I do. Um <laughs> Uh, so, um, yeah, if you like that, <laughs> you wait. Um, 
I think I, I think I, I started doing like normal setup punchline, telling autobiographical mm-hmm. kind of monologue stuff. Um, partially out of pride because I felt like other comics would see me doing abstract things, like using a tape recorder or doing a character or you know whatever, and that being like like it's a cheap way of getting a laugh. And if you're like a real, if you're like a real awesome, I, I don't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. it's like, it's, I guess it's like the more fundamentalist, purest approach to stand up. It's like, you know, be like the more, the Mark Marin kind. It's like, come on, man. What, what kind of issues are you dealing with? You know? Right. Like, just come out there and say it. You know, it's just you and them. You know? You know, that kind of. I'm yeah. not, I'm not describing it right. I don't have the right word, but. I, I guess, know what you mean, though. Yeah. Fundamentalist is probably the right word here, but. Um, it sounds, it is about right. Um, but yeah, I just think not that, that I'm against it. It's just, it just never was totally my thing. I just think that there's so much room under the comedy tent for different styles. And I like that you're willing to play with the different styles. Like the thing that I saw you do at, uh, Castro intestinal comedy, which is on the first Saturdays at Castro's in Lakeway. I Check it out. Get that plug in. You're welcome, Valerie and Chris. Um, and there's one coming up. Uh, this Saturday, or mm-hmm. you're on that lineup, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, I'm going to try to make it out there. I don't know if I'm going to be able to, but I am straying from the subject. Uh, I don't want to give too much of what you do away, but you do have a very, uh, in that bit, deadpan style. Yeah. And then you, like you said, you have your clipboard and you have some other things, other tricks up your sleeve. But your delivery is just outstanding, and um, and just the audience reaction to like they don't know what to make of it yet, and then they kind of start to catch on. But then you throw them a curveball with something else, and it was just it was so fun to watch. You said that that was something that you developed early on, and you've kind of gone back to. Yeah, that's incredible. I I first started doing it as like um you know like you have like a government official having to read some <laughs> report or whatever I'm like what if somebody just read the transcript of a hacky comedy set <laughs> and that was how they delivered the comedy so I, that's why I use a clipboard with it but then I started putting in um I want to you know like I wanted to do like garden path sentences or mm-hmm. like a you know like a non sequitur but then an actual one liner you know mixed in um yeah, I I, I I cut out a bunch from the original because mm-hmm. I just kind of grew out of it. But some of the core stuff I kept. Um, I don't know. It's it's almost like like I'm making fun of hacky comedy things that may not even exist anymore. So I don't know how dated. I don't know how dated some of my references reference makings are. It still seems to work though. Like the elements at play all still seem to work. And that's what I think is the genius of it. Um, then we move into... <laughs> I, uh, in my research for this, stumbled across a character that you did. Am I allowed to say what this is? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bill Burr Baggins. Yeah, it's Bill Burr if he was from Middle Earth. And it's called Bill Burr Baggins. And it is... <laughs> I have to say, in and of itself, your Bill Burr is probably one of the... And I've heard a lot of Bill Burrs. 
is probably one of the best Bill Burrs I've ever heard because you don't you you're not just capturing the voice. A lot of people do the voice and they kind of do a little bit of like, ah, da, da, da. but you. So I'm gonna back up a little. I love layered types of impressions and things. And a few years ago, Mike McRae did this. That's my cat. Thank Ooh. you. Blue is making a. Her debut on here. Well, actually, I don't think it's her debut on here, but she's reprising her role as Cat. Um, Mike McRae did this thing called the Comedy Seance that we do here around Halloween, and it was this Philip Seymour Hoffman in Hell doing Hamlet as Hitler. It was just the most layered... Thing I've ever seen and it was and, and he did a lot of, the soliloquy was in German it was it but was, as Phil but uh, yes doing that's awesome. Hitler doing Hamlet and it blew my mind and so your your references to Middle Earth and all of these elements from the Hobbit but in the delivery style and the voice of Bill Burr I was just like Oh my God. I just, if you're ever in a bad mood, <laughs> if you're ever having a rough day, <laughs> that set is something I suggest you check out because I was crying laughing. Yeah, unfortunately, it's just on like a Facebook post right now. Well, I didn't have it. I tried it a couple other places, but I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It gets really mixed reactions. Um, and I'll even put on a, I'll even put on a wig. I bought a Bilbo wig for it, <laughs> like a Hobbit wig. And, um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I did take a Tolkien class mm -hmm. years ago, but, and then I grew up just reading Tolkien in the house all the time. So it's not hard for, to like get into, uh, get into like the obscure references. And yeah, yeah. Bill Burr would always, of course, pick like, he's like, you know what? I like Saruman. I do. <laughs> I like Saruman. <laughs> Saruman. You know what? Everyone's against him. The guy makes his own orcs. Come on, people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to pause it's just it's so so good and you hit me right at the time when i had just finished reading the hobbit for the first time too yeah. so it's like the stars aligned when i saw that clip i was like no way no way it's so good <laughs> tired of adventures you know i told many adventures who cares <laughs> when was the first time you ever did that was that that recording was, the first time that or? might be the first time i did it oh my god yeah so i just did that first time earlier this year at chris's because chris would have these backyard shows mm -hmm. and he would be like do whatever you want and i could go up multiple times so i could like do one character and then come back and do so you know real hit and miss but i yeah. like i guess that's one thing i've I've always liked with comedy because like, I've, I've never quite i've, I've self-sabotaged efficiently mm -hmm. to keep myself from being a touring comic um, probably have a lot of fear, you know, yeah. I guess it's basically it. Just fear, self-sabotage, whatever. We could drink some ayahuasca and really get into it, which <laughs> I talk about all the time now, of course, like an irritating person because I, I, I had ayahuasca a couple of times in the past couple of years and it, uh, really shifted things, you know, in a good way. Did um, it help your writing? Kinda. Yeah. Um, I think it's given me more of a focus. Mm -hmm. I haven't completely found it or expressed it yet. But I feel like I've got like a guiding, something, some more guiding principle than I had before. Mm -hmm. Where like, I don't want to be quite as negative 
even though I'm in that deadpan comedy, I'm like saying really dark humor, but I feel like dark humor can sometimes have the reverse effect and actually mm -hmm. be positive, you know, and, you know, help you kind of lighten up. Or something. Yeah. Although I'm not thinking that when I'm writing it, I'm just, you know, driving and giggling about something stupid, but, <laughs> um, there's no like. You know, like, I've had to put on some pretense that because of my enlightening experience, now I, like, you know, artfully approach each joke. No, it's just it, it, how how this stuff happens is, is really haphazard, you know. Yeah. But, um, but uh, yeah, with with the – I think, like, the, with the post-ayahuasca experience, um, I, I'm, I'm, I feel a lot better about the not – being a touring career kind of comic, mm -hmm. um, it helps you be, you know, come to terms with death and how whatever you gain is going to go away. But that doesn't mean you stop. So you don't become, you don't respond the cynical way and say, well, it's all going to go away, so I better not do anything. Instead, you could say this, don't be afraid of death, and then you can just engage with whatever the day is bringing you and be right. more happy and playful and ridiculous. So um, I feel like getting... You know, because I'd stopped stand-up for a while the past couple of years, getting back into it, and also after doing ayahuasca and, you know, mm -hmm. Vipassana retreats, which helped a lot also. Um, I can uh, I can let go more easily. Yeah. And it's still a work in progress, but I can let go of, like, comparison or thinking what I should do, you know, to build my hour or whatever. Well, not, well, not being, like, against ambition. I think it's just... I, th I think I think my motivations were much more, much less conscious and more shame based. Mm -hmm. I would say, so that meant like I was I I had like these kind of like big schemes, you know, how I would you know uh, 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 draw a lot of attention to myself and mastermind some like great brilliant alternative comedy career or something, and then not long after that I would start unconsciously dismantling the things that I actually wanted, you know, out of fear, stuff yeah. like that. But now it's like, oh, I got a show coming up. Oh, someone asked me to do a show. Yeah, I'll do it. What do I want to do for this next show? Um, I think I'll do this. Hey, that seems like a fun thing. Maybe I can add this. And I'm just thinking of it more as an art form and a lifestyle than um, some mountain to be climbed. Yeah, that... It makes sense, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking as I'm talking, more, sorry. Well, yeah. no, no, but more in the present. Like, I'm I'm trying to stay present with you right now, even in that. And, yeah, it makes sense that you're, you know, worried about what's at hand mm -hmm. instead of three years from now or five years from now or whatever. Yeah. Um, so you took a break between Portland and coming and starting comedy in Austin. Yeah. Did it feel like kind of a... a creative reset for you in a way yeah i know you said you're kind of reaching back and grabbing some of the things that you used to do and bringing them back in yeah but does it feel now more like you're a little more developed and able to just pull tools from the arsenal and leave ones you didn't want behind or yes okay yeah exactly um yeah there's uh like i think i used to be this mindset where um I need to be coming up with something new all the time. And I already did that, you know, as if the world's all paying attention, you know, maybe 15, 20 people will know all the stuff I did in the past or maybe random people who saw me back then. Mm -hmm. But, you know, because I wasn't really building it 
a fan base or a career at all. I mean, it, in my head, ego, egotistically, I just needed to keep doing something right. new that I had never done before. And now I'm like, well, I'm not. Yes, it's good to keep doing new things and changing, but I can go back and find this old stuff, polish it up, and like, oh, now I know what to do with that, right. and that connects with this part, that connects with this, so I can build a like a long, cohesive, but you know, still, you know, whatever my style set is, mm-hmm. and it's built out of old things, but I don't feel, I don't, I don't feel like this kind of, I don't know, prima donna pride thing or whatever right. over. Being, you know, it's like, oh, I burned that hour, you know, onto the next one. I got to right. prove, you know, it's like, whatever. I'm, it's like I'm starting over from scratch and I don't care where I get my ideas from, you know, as long as they're original, you know. Right. Um, one guy heckled me last night and he was like, you know, Rick and Morty did that. And I knew the episode he was talking about, but it was like, no, I thought of this on my own. Yeah. And now I'm like struggling. I'm like, do I take it out or not? Just because what that asshole said. That's the hard thing about comedy, period, though, is there is such a thing as parallel thinking. And there is such a thing. I I remember I was at a show one time, a comedian, very famous, said a joke that I had said, and I I don't do stand-up. So anything that I do, any jokes that I tell, they're amongst friends and they stay. That's where they stay. I don't Mm -hmm. do bits unless I write something for someone else or something like that but he said verbatim pretty much something I had said before and the people I had said it to were sitting at the table with me and I looked at them and they won't they all looked at me and I was like parallel thinking yeah I know he was not following me to that Vegas trip when I made that joke and you right. know yeah. it, it's a thing yeah, it is a thing. I, so. I used to be way more wrapped up about that. Yeah. I think cause this was like 2008, 2009 was when I really, you know, was starting to get pretty active in 2010 in Portland. And um, around that time, there was like a new comedy boom was starting. You mm-hmm. know, like uh, th- we used to have Bridgetown Comedy Festival mm-hmm. there. Lasted 10 years. Now it's done. But, um, but it was like when Bridgetown was getting more popular and then it seemed like there was a whole lot of, you know, like that's when like Pete Holmes and Mark Maron's podcast started, mm-hmm. you know, getting big. And that's Galifianakis had come out with a special not too long before Louis CK started doing like the, the, he started like doing the Carlin thing, you know, a new special regularly. And that was getting a lot of people going, you know, uh, you know, a lot more people going out to comedy or starting it and stuff like that. So I don't know. It, 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 anyways, I'm rambling from around that time. Um, just around that time, I, and a couple of my other comedy friends, we were obsessed with originality Mm -hmm. being totally original. And it's like, at some point, you know, you got to give that up right? because you're not, I mean, you can understand, you can tell when somebody has been clearly influenced by a premise from like some, very popular TV show or something like that. And maybe they forgot. Right. Tim and Eric, I think, showed up in a lot of, you know, comics sets in little ways. Mm-hmm. Or just comedy in general. You know, when you have... You show your influences. Right. It's fine. But back then I used to be very militant and weird about it. Because I used to use a tape recorder on stage. And then a, my friend from the time, he was like, well, you know, Ron Lynch uses a tape recorder. And Ron Lynch is somebody I'd never seen. Right. But I was like, well, I better stop using tape recorders now. <laughs> 
It's like, it was dumb. I, I should have kept doing it because I could have developed that into right. something different. But, you know, some mean ex of mine would be like, oh, that character's kind of like Neil Hamburger. But I wasn't trying to be like Neil Hamburger. But, yeah, maybe I picked up some of his mannerisms. Right. So I just cut the whole thing. I was like, I stop him. I, very sen- I used to be much more sensitive to criticism. Now I'm probably like half as much, which is still a lot. Yeah. But I was so, so sensitive to criticism. Like any one negative comment versus a hundred po- compliments. Yeah. Because in comedy, I mean, on social media, of course, you're being criticized like the rest of us. But then in in an audience feedback perspective, you're being criticized in real time constantly. Either for, you know criticize like critiqued i guess it Mm -hmm. should say either for the better or for the worse in real time and you sense that sort of feedback you know yeah and and it's also difficult because it's like almost every space has become a political space (laughs) and every space is is filled with like a, a tense i don't know ideological presence that portends that anything you say or do could end up online and ruin your whole damn life so yeah you know, it's like, even if Big Brother isn't watching us, and we all know Big Brother isn't watching us all the time, there is, like, this kind of element at a comedy show that, you know, it's 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 not, um, it's not like a, the, the loose, wild space that, right. it, that I, I felt like that attracted me originally. But, you know what, whatever. I feel like there has to be boundaries also. I'm hoping that that, I like the description, loose, wild space. I'm hoping that that comes back. Yeah. I think that the pendulum swings far one way and will swing mm-hmm. back far the other, and eventually we'll get back to center. But I think, unfortunately, we've been in that. I think we are starting to see the pendulum swing back. Yeah. I think people are starting to get so exhausted from outrage uh-huh. that, and I that's my hope, right. is that it's starting to swing back to the point where people can speak and yeah. and make mistakes and be human again and not have to have you know people enough people are starting to mock the outrage mm-hmm. that i feel like it's starting to open that space back up i yeah. hope yeah the space has to be open some of the outrage stuff isn't such a bad idea cuz right. I mean... yeah i've i've seen some shows where it's so loose and it's just just without like you know it can it can really kind of start to suck but i feel like if there's too much of that censorship and you got too many people who are maybe not in their active thinking anticipating judgment mm-hmm. or being called out or anything like that maybe they feel like they're actually very morally safe people even then it's just the the context of the space has changed and that changes you know the, the, that environmental factor will change just the menu of options that an individual's intellect can come up with in that space. Yeah. Right. So it's changed the space. So I feel like what I've observed at least is a lot of comics using the same critical lens when dealing with subjects, even though they're talking about personal subject matter, it might have the same kind of feeling that same kind of critical lens of like, I feel like, and, and, and what I mean is it's like, it's like there's a bunch of stupid bad people out there who need to be criticized or these are such things that need to be criticized mm-hmm. or put down and that by me saying this, it's a revolutionary act sort of kind of impetus in comedy. Maybe you just see that in the lower rungs of comedy, but um, 
I almost want to see you write that down on your clipboard. Yeah. As one of your bits. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I might. I, I have considered just putting like a bald face speech near the end. <laughs> but, and then trying to make, and then, you know, ruining it somehow. But I don't know. I'll see what happens. I can't wait to see that. So, coming from, so Austin and Portland get compared to one another. Like, it almost seems like we have some sort of exchange program now Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, the cities are compared, the weirdness is compared, who has the better food truck, all of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you give me a sense on, like, is this is the comedy scene there looser? Is I've only been to Portland once, and I've only I've only been to a show in Portland once. Mm-hmm. Um, How was that? It was well. I went to go see Michelle Wolf, so it was really really amazing. But oh, okay. um, it wasn't a it wasn't a local showcase. No, we did not get a chance. I wasn't there that long, which sucks. But um, but it 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 bit me enough that I want to go back. I I'm interested in you, Portland. I'm I'm looking, um, but what are the scenes similar? Like they're kind of similar. I feel like is there's, the humor similar? I feel like there's you know I haven't seen who's in Portland right now, but mm-hmm. I feel like there's uh, like first off Austin is a bigger scene. Um, yeah, I hear sharper joke writing here. I feel like it's a more challenging scene. There's less oddball weirdness, you know, but it's, it isn't that it isn't here. You right. Know? There's still like alternative type shows and whatever. I, I still, I still have yet to see everyone, you know, um, like I saw it was Garrett Buss on a show mm-hmm. and he, he has like a non-standard kind of comedy approach. Um, a, a lot of the Portland style will also be like just talking about, you know, talking about your day and finding the story or something there in the moment. And it isn't, it isn't as punchy. It doesn't feel like it's as fast to the punchline. Um, as I've heard in Austin, but you know, I don't know. I, I don't know how, how well my analysis yeah. is going to work here. Cause you know, I haven't been to Portland in a while and I don't know, maybe I'm full of shit too. But <laughs> I, I, I like during the comedy competition, um, the Austin comedy competition is, has more people in it. This is a bigger scene. And, um, yeah, I think just a lot stronger comics. Maybe that's just because of the larger population size. Or maybe it's the culture of comedy here is very much like, if you aren't funny, F you, quit wasting my time. There's, I feel like there's there's a bit of like the F you if you aren't funny. Hmm. Fuck. That's the word I'm saying. Fuck you if you aren't funny. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, so... I feel like in Portland, like, people will be like, hey, if you're not funny immediately or something, like, they're more giving. I guess you can say that. Gotcha. The audiences seem like they're a little bit more giving, and maybe even the other comics are a little bit more giving and forgiving if somebody, you know, is not completely hitting hard all the time. But, you know, I, then again, it's, I, I really don't know. Yeah, I can Because I, I haven't I met enough people here. Um, I think it has become, you know, Austin scene has become so competitive because we basically have been the best analysis I have is that we're a farm team for New York and LA now. Yeah, okay. And that's how I look at it. If you're not here, 
the you know it's like we're the farm team chicago's the farm team and maybe what denver and yeah i'm probably forgetting a scene and i apologize to that scene if i am minneapolis but, yeah but i mean we're the farm teams for the big cities and mm. and you know, occasionally someone will make a lateral move between here and Denver or something like that. Yeah. A lot of it just has to do with whether or not they want to smoke weed legally or not. Yeah. You know, yeah. or just be in some place that's not 3,000 degrees in June. But I digress. The You know, it does feel like we've become such a tightly... Uh, tightly i don't want to say wound that's not what i mean but like you develop a tight set here you develop those things yeah and then you know the natural progression people assume you want to go to la or new york not everybody does want to but um yeah but i do hope and i i my hope for the austin scene is that there are still comedians that will take people under their wing foster you know if they see somebody that really really wants to develop i hope mm -hmm. that's still going on here um yeah i mean i don't know it seems like uh seems like people have like their network of friends but mm -hmm. other, other than that you know your relationship to other comics at a mic can be like in la or new york mm -hmm. where you're used to being around people who you don't really know personally and you don't really interact and you pretty much look at your phone. You, maybe you'll say good set after a good set or something. Or, right. But it's like the, the, the condition of being surrounded by strangers when you're elsewhere in the city enters into the comedy space. So the, the general camaraderie amongst comics is not quite there. And you know what? Maybe that's not always necessary. Yeah. You know, because um, sometimes you don't want to get too emotionally involved in the lives of everybody else who's trying to do comedy. That's a great way to allow, yeah, toxic people into your life. <laughs> I can <laughs> see that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, what, um... I don't know. I'm, I'm on antibiotics right now. It's messing... I'm a little loopy. I gotta... I just started taking a little bit of antibiotics. Oh, that's, that's fine. There is plenty For a thing. Of well, and also... <laughs> also... I don't know if you've gotten the wonderful speech about the allergies here in Austin, but yeah. those are definitely real, too. Yeah, I haven't been hit by them as much. I'm I mean, sniffling today, so I apologize to anyone out there listening to that mess. Um, so, as far as... I know you say that you, you've got... Do you do a lot of characters besides... Like, I've I've only seen you a handful of times... Is is pulling in character work and impressions something that you draw from more often? And are they usually original characters, or do you do impressions a lot? They're usually original. Okay. Because it'll be like I wanted to do a, I wanted to just perform as Terrence McKenna mm -hmm. and be like I resurrected myself, you know, like. <laughs> but I, my my impression of McKenna wasn't that great. Like I yeah. didn't I knew I didn't sound exactly like him, so I just made a character around the voice that I could do. Yeah. And I've done that a couple times. And I call him Terry McCulkin. <laughs> Cuz it's like Terrence McKenna, but then it makes you think of Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, I was to say he's, he's the long Terry, lost Terry sibling. Yeah, and um I will like I I want to do it again. I there's this guy I I met at a meditation retreat and he plays like a 
like like you know Native American flute mm-hmm. and like <laughs> so I had him playing behind me and I was as this character and I came out you know with like a vest and a, a cane I'm like do you want to hear a tale <laughs> and so I'll tell the audience riddles and just like I use like this icky voice it sounds perverted but I don't talk about sexual things yeah it's and he's a Tokian scholar mm-hmm. and um I and then like I I told this myth about uh, you know grackle, grackle mythology mm-hmm. about how the grackle got its great tail, um, and I because I, I really like mythology. I've been uh-huh. I, I listen to Joseph Campbell lectures like, so a lot. Is it so, a real is it a real tale that you're telling or is it one that you wrote? I wrote it. Okay, okay, okay. I made it up, but I don't know. I was really happy with that set. That's something I want to do again, but I want to find someone. It, and I could play flute music over it, but there's something just right about doing the bit. It's fun for the audience. If yeah. there's somebody there who's also interacting with me, you know, like at different points of the mm-hmm. story, they that's what this guy Steve was doing. He was perfect for it. I used to do that character back in Portland, uh-huh. and I'd play like stupid games, you know, the audience, or like s- tell them riddles, which yeah. were basically just like lame celebrity jokes. Yeah. But um, so that was one, you know. I went off a tangent. Sometimes I'll, I'll have one of these characters and I'll write jokes in that voice, but then I'll take that one, that one-liner and then I'll transfer it to the clipboard thing and read it in a deadpan and maybe mm-hmm. change the words a bit, and then I've written a new joke. So what's fun about doing characters is that you can, I don't know, like I guess just use it to channel out another kind of joke mm-hmm. that I wouldn't write just in my normal voice. Right. If I'm doing it in the – if I'm like acting like a cowboy or something. Because I used to – I used to do this, uh, you know, I'd put on like a mustache and a cowboy hat and mm-hmm. I'd act like a farmer who had sold his farm and is trying to make money at stand-up <laughs> and, uh, you know, being, of course, like kind of bad at it and stuff. And, yeah. And I'd have like a prop trunk and a puppet and, um, yeah. So I used to write, I used to write jokes in that character's voice mm-hmm. and then I'd be like, hey, this is actually just a really fun, stupid one-liner I could tell it in these other character voices, and it kind of works. Well, it's genius, because you open the door for you to be able to write in so many different voices, so many different personas, and you, you can really explore <laughs> explore the space, but in different heads. Yeah. Um, you're doing a lot of things that require audience interaction or participation, which then opens an even more stressful door of... You know, is this person going to bite? Mm-hmm. Like, as in, you know, play along. Yeah. Are they, you know, are they going to be any good at it? Yeah. If they're not, can I, how do you work around that? Like, what do you? Um, I guess I'll just, I'll have the worry. Uh-huh. And then a, a, a stressful mental scenario will play in my head. Yeah. And then in that moment, I'll think, well, what would I want to do if this sort of situation comes up? And then I'll probably think of a joke that way. Mm-hmm. It happens through like me having like an active imagination moment. Right. And then it's like, if a guy did say that my fa- whatever the, you know, n- imagining, it just kind of goes its own way. Mm-hmm. And then a joke will come out of it through that. So, so you like, kind of have loose contingency plans. Yeah. Like with the clipboard thing, uh-huh. I have, I've, oh, yeah. <laughs> I've started writing extra note cards. They're so good. Where if somebody, if somebody I'm heckles clapping. me, if somebody heckles me, I can take out a, a note cards or a piece of paper, and then I have pre-written responses that I just read. 
Um, and that's I didn't want to give it away because I was like, I, I don't know how much you're willing to, to put out it's there. It's fine. But the know. first time you did that at that show I saw you at, I was standing and I was standing in the corner and you you just very calmly go to your pocket and whip out this card. And I doubled over and turned away because I knew I was going to laugh so loud. It was going to be a heckling laugh. I was just like, yeah. no. I and, and so so I I started thinking, um, uh, what happens if somebody sees me do that and they're like, hey, this guy's gonna have a card for everything. Let's see how many cards he has. <laughs> and so I, I've started to at least formulate. I want a stack of comebacks oh that build God. and refer to the last one, and then so if somebody does want to do it, then I it can go that way. I'm it, so excited. But I'm I'm also I'm also like at the point where I'm doing the clipboard thing, I'm not always reading. Yeah. At some point I'll see a sentence and then there's some problem with it, but I don't want to break the the reality, mm-hmm. you know? So I will just pretend to read something else or mix it up yeah. in in the moment to make it sound, you know, so the whole experience is seamless. It almost becomes choose your own adventure at some yeah. point though, which is just fantastic in and of itself. I, I, I feel like, like I... I have to see the venue I'm going to perform at, uh-huh. and that really influences which one thing I'll do. And that's I feel like that in Portland because I was so sensitive to how a room would feel, yeah. and I felt like it'll bring different reactions. You could take the same group of people and move them from one room to another, put them mm-hmm. in a mega church, or put them in some cool hipster dive bar basement, and they will act different in front of the same material, mm-hmm. slightly different, but. Generally, yeah, I mean, these you know, comics they say like avoid rooms with blue light, too much blue lighting, or really high ceilings. You want a low ceiling, you know? Yeah. Stuff like that. So I'll go and I'll see the place and be like, all right, well, that character isn't going to really work here because it requires a lot of kind of close up attention. Right. So I need the other thing. So I, I feel like the clipboard bit is like something that I'm building, and then once I get it more solid, then I'll set it aside and then work on another kind of character thing. Mm -hmm. Because that's what I was doing in Portland. I, you know, I keep saying that, but that's, I guess, saying in like the first chapter of me doing stand up. Right. Was that I was, you know, looking back over time, I was building up all this this kind of portfolio of stuff I could call on for whatever kind of show I've asked for. Mm hmm. And then I, I like the idea if somebody asked me to be on a showcase, I would say, well, what would you like me to do on your showcase? Do you want a character? Or do you want me to just do stories? I can give you options. Like I'm a caterer, you know? Right. You know, I've, I'm not going to like, you know, I, I kind of like that idea. Of, yeah. You know, it almost, it almost feels like there's some kind of professional distance from it. Um, like I like I used to do this PowerPoint as Carl Sagan, and I liked <laughs> doing it. But I'd have to shave but I'd put on a turtleneck and I'd be like, I'd be telling everybody about science. <laughs> uh, that's just like, because it's just fun doing that voice. Yeah. But sometimes some venues, oh, you guys have a projector. Well, I've got this thing I can use in the space and that'll be, I like the idea of like doing a show and, um, you know, not just me, but like encouraging there to be like a feeling of variety in how the night goes. You know, like, mm-hmm. like I want to like follow somebody who like tells a really like good, strong, anecdotal bit. Mm-hmm. Last two, you know, like a Nate Gar- Nate Bargatze kind mm-hmm. of comic. Then I go up and I do my thing, and then the next person after me might be you know, you know, deadpan or just sarcastic and silly. You know, all kinds of 
I, I, I like I like having a show like a playlist, mm-hmm. you know. I, I didn't run a lot of showcases, but I would now and then, and I liked having themed showcases. Yeah. That was always fun for the audience, too. I, I would do this. Uh, we only did it once. I, I would like to do it in Austin, so I feel like once I get to know more people, mm-hmm. I want to do a fake comedy competition where <laughs> the audience doesn't know, but all the comics already know. We're like North comic, North Austin comics versus South Austin comics, <laughs> head to head, round five. There's been no other rounds, but we just say it's round five or whatever. Because <laughs> what I did, I had like a, I had a panel of judges, and then I had the audience voting, and I pretended that I was recording their reaction, mm-hmm. and that whoever got the highest laughs per minute was put into like an algorithm, like this program. <laughs> but then I had a PowerPoint. It was just stupid. And then eventually, everybody knows. I, we did it. It was uh, Portland versus Seattle. So we had, oh, the no. Se- we had the Seattle comics come down. And, of course, I have them lose. Mm-hmm. All Every the, time. Yeah, the Portland comics win each round. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like That's that kind of fantastic. stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think Austin's a good space for stuff like that. Yeah. I, it's, it's got a good enough scene to where, you know, the showcases can do. If you've ever been to... Um, Oh my God! How am I blanking on this? Low and inside, it's baseball, but it's baseball through comedy, and there's innings and there's all this stuff. And it's the really? craziest. And I had not gone to it for years, and I had heard about it, and everyone's like, "It's the best show ever! You gotta go!" And I, I finally started going the last season. This last season, they did, and I was like, "Why am I not here?" And I was like, "Oh my God!" I'm like, I, my friend and I would show up. We'd wear hats. He, yeah. he brought a mitt. Like I sang the national anthem at the last one. It's yeah. just like, you know, we're invested now. So yeah, I Wh- think where's that, what venue is that? At? So it used to be at the Velve, and then they took it to Cap City. Oh, okay. uh, so I'm not sure where it's going to be next. I tried to tell Mario he needs to do home and away games and like some at the Velve and some at Cap City. I don't think he liked that idea, but mm. um but it is a good show and I think the scene is is right for those kinds of things. Those kinds of playful, you know, it's not meta. I don't I I'm not I'm lacking the word for it, but those interactive sort of like concepts um yeah. They just get people more involved and, like I said, invested. Yeah. We brought gloves and, and yeah. hats and gear. Um, I sang. So what would you say is next for you? I mean, you're you're working on developing different, you know, just kind of <clears throat> refining from the old and the new. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Maybe it's good if I knew, you know. Yeah. Maybe I should vision board this. But... Um... I mean, I I was thinking very seriously about uh, living abroad for a while, Mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know. I'd I'd like to do. I'd like to do comedy outside the United States. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's good to, uh, you know, build up a following or something, and then go to another country. But you know, who knows what can happen? You know, there's a lot of expatriate, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, communities that like to see stand up. I heard like Ho Chi Minh City. Um, Russia. I mean, there's stand up and com- there's comedy shows all over the place. Yeah. So if I can have these, if I if I have this uh, ability to make different kinds of sets, then maybe I can go to these other places and then figure it'll bring something else out of me that I can't think of right now. One of my favorite comedy albums that I've listened to in the past like six months is a guy named Mike Wilmot, and he's Canadian. 
Um, and he's done a lot of shows in the States too, but he lives in England now and has so for the like last probably like at least 10 or 15 years. Mm -hmm. And he, he kills over there. Um, and I mean, if you listen to him, he kills period, but yeah, I mean, there are a lot of expats going and just, you know, trying out different scenes. Um, yeah, that would be, that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. That's just like, I'm, I guess I'm just thinking like, what's going to be fun or interesting, mm -hmm. um, and then at the same time, you know, I'm, you know, comedy isn't the only thing I'm thinking about in my life. You know, I, I what? Yeah, I know, I know. Stop the tape. Yeah, turn. The, <laughs> you know, like, um, I think I would like to continue working with ayahuasca. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, over time, hopefully, I can you know get my personal habits more in check i would like to publish some things mm -hmm. like during my break from comedy i like i as a you ever heard of naNoWriMo national novel writing month mm -mm. i just use it as like a just a frame so i wrote like this terrible first draft of a novel but it was still uh it's still really good to like get it out of my system because it's something i've been thinking of for a couple of years yeah and um so i have i have a lot of different other story type things that i would like to get out there like huh. i i've uh, I'm, I'm taking a filmmaking class right now, so I, you know, I, I may keep doing stand up here in Austin, but also at the same time, you know, start making sketches and things. That would be amazing. Um, yeah, I would just like to expand from just the medium of stand up. Mm -hmm. It's comfortable for me right now because it matches my lifestyle, which is usually not planned out much, and you can just show up, you know. You know, and uh, just go on stage. Well, so as we wind down, I'm gonna put some of this cheese on it. Oh yeah, let's see I if forgot. we can get the sound. There's... Can we get the sound of the see cheese if you going can do on? It. A chicken and a biscuit. I, I brought chicken and a biscuit and squeezed cheese. Oh no, it's silent. Oh no, there's a slight, slight little. Yeah. Uh, oh wow. This is going to be interesting question given what I, what you've just told me, but this is one we do ask in every episode or try to. One word to describe your future. Uh, forward. There we go. Well, Kristen, do you have anything that you want to promote coming up? We're shooting for an early March release for this. You got anything you want to promote or where they, where they can find you to follow you? Uh, no, <laughs> sorry. I don't. That's fine. Uh, right now I'm, I'm still just kind of, I guess, uh, I don't know. Find me on Instagram or something. I'll post show posters if All I'm right. going to be coming up because I'm, cause you know, I'm still, you know, get my sea legs back yeah with getting comedy. established in the scene yeah well we will post your links to the social media platforms uh, kitty is coming to say bye <laughs> yeah there she is um well this has been comedy wham presents christian van wade we appreciate you joining us and you can find us at ComedyWham.com for more interviews like this and to find these shows and open mics. And I'm sure you will see Christian on some coming up very, very soon. Thanks again. <laughs>